0: Thanks for downloading this show from PC One. Before we get rolling, here's a word from one of the folks who helped bring you this podcast. The following program is a Podcast podcast1.com production.
1: I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so that you can keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our web address. Clark.com slash ask is how you ask me a question. And coming up in 20 minutes, in today's Clark-rageous moment, this is so weird. Another week, another Russian hacker. This time, a Russian hacker stole hundreds of millions of dollars from various financial institutions and stole the identity of many people across this great nation, going to tell you what's going on and what you need to know and later this hour oh my goodness there's some ethical stuff going on at uber that really gives you pause wait till you hear what uber has been up to in just 30 minutes i want to tell you a story of something that happened to me just last night and this is a crazy story so we had bought a new pyrex casserole cooking glass thing yesterday and prepared a casserole put it in the oven and then finishes cooking and put it on the table you know on some some things so it wouldn't hurt the table you know what i mean so we could have it table side and we had a spatula to serve out the casserole and we're at the table about 10 minutes we're about halfway done with dinner and all of a sudden there was a loud explosion and i guess reflexively everybody closed their eyes for an instant and then opened our eyes back up and we're all covered in glass shards of glass the Pyrex dish spontaneously exploded. I'd never heard or seen anything like it in my life. My son got hit. He's 11. He got hit by one of the pieces of glass uh, on the edge of his left eye, but because his eye was closed, he did not injure his eye, and I had, a, I had some small cuts on my body and glass went everywhere. And it was amazing that the largest piece of glass left was only a little bigger than the width of like a magic marker. Everything else had sh- broken down into little teeny shards of glass. We were in shock. And thank goodness none of us were hurt except for little minor cuts dinner was obviously over and so i've been a tv reporter for 27 years and i've been ribbed so much by people in tv since they found out about this story last night and today because i didn't remember i do that for a living what did we do? We start cleaning up all the glass. And so I don't have the the video of the glass being just everywhere. But to tell you that the glass flew as far as 15 feet. That's as far as we found glass from the from the table. And so we clean all this up as best we could. And then I get on the internet and start looking and the first things posted on the internet about Pyrex exploding is 10 years ago from Consumer Reports. Who knew? And there's endless posts about Pyrex exploding and... We are going to offer Pyrex a chance to go on the air because this has been going on so long. The Today Show did a story in 2012, Kitchen Calamity, about Pyrex exploding without warning. And then there are, I mean, you just look all the posts from TV and print, about this and it's funny how you know we live such busy lives who knew so i'm offering pyrex a chance to go on the air and have their say because it's kind of disturbing that for 10 years this is apparently a known defect and it's still happening one of the tv stations i'm on I looked, and they have an archive story from two years ago of somebody pulling an item out of their oven in a Pyrex dish and exploding all over them. So I want to hear from them, and I'll probably hear stories from you about this experience. And I'm going to come up with solutions for you, because a lot of people do bake, a lot of people do casseroles a lot of people use pyrex brand products and it is something that taught me the most important lesson you know what the most important lesson is don't cook at home eat out you won't have to worry about exploding pyrex well, that's not completely true because the worst thing that ever happened to me eating happened eating out. And I've told this story before, so I apologize if you're hearing it again. But about 15 years ago, I was having a salad at a restaurant, and suddenly blood was coming out of my mouth. There was broken glass in the salad, and I cut up my mouth really badly. I I couldn't even go on radio the next day because of my tongue had been cut and I couldn't speak clearly. And so you know things can happen. I mean, the weird stuff happens around food. And the lesson I learned from that is don't ever eat salad. No, that's not the lesson I learned from it. It was not. There's no lesson from that. It was just a fluke kind of thing. And sometimes he got unlucky, but I had no other problems other than the cuts in my mouth, and I was just fine and here to tell the tale. And again, I hope that we have somebody from Pyrex that will go on the air and give their side of what's going on with the exploding Pyrex dishes. Quinn is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Quinn.
2: Hi, Clark. How are you?
1: Great. Thank you, Quinn. How can I serve you?
2: Well, I heard your story the other day about how you save a lot of money booking with Spirit Airlines. And Spirit's one of the few airlines I found to have a little quirk that if you book the ticket at the airport, you actually save even more money.
1: Isn't that the oddest thing ever? Is that it saves an airline money if you buy a ticket online. It's far cheaper for them. But spirit does this craziness, where if you will actually inconvenience yourself and go to the airport, you get a better deal. How much is it? How much lower do you get that would make it worth it to go to the airport to buy a ticket?
2: Well, for me, I'm looking at two tickets for my wife and I, around trip, and by going to the airport, it's going to save me seventy six dollars.
1: Seventy six dollars.
2: Yeah, so they do, it's like eighteen ninety nine per ticket per each way that you save. And what they call it online is a passenger usage fee. So when you go to the checkout page and go to the More Info, it'll show what this thing called a passenger usage fee. And if you look at that, that's what the money you're going to save if you go book at the airport.
1: And so you, how far did you have to drive to go to the airport to buy your you and your wife's tickets?
2: Oh, so for me, I work right by the airport. So it's like a five-minute drive. So it's definitely worth it for me. I'll probably still drive from my house, which is a good a good 20-minute drive.
1: And tell me, what was your total ticket price and where are you going from and to?
2: I'm going from Orlando to Newark, and I ended up paying $70 per
1: ticket per round trip. <laughs> $70 round trip, Orlando, Florida, to Newark, New Jersey. That's correct, yep. So... That's really crazy, because that's so phenomenally dirt cheap. How much are you going to have in baggage charges that go with that $70 round trip? Well, I'm going
2: to have zero, because I play the system. I have a special bag that fits for Spirit. So I take a couple of those, and my wife are fine for like a four- or five-day trip.
1: Oh, you are a man after my own heart. (laughs) That is a wonderful thing. I don't know if you heard about when I took my family on Spirit two weeks ago, and they were not happy with me at all about, I have these miniaturized carry-ons, probably like yours, that you can use on Spirit, Frontier, or Allegiant, and they'll go into the seat in front of you, so there's no baggage charge. And my wife and uh, my teenage daughter were like, you expect us to get five days' worth of stuff in this little bag?
2: My wife is the same way. She gets mad about it, but you know, at the end, it saves a lot of money, so I think in the end, it's to have that spending money
1: when they're at, the, at New York. <laughs> well, see, I relented and I paid for one checked bag for $40 and then they were happy.
2: Uh, I think I'll save the $40 myself.
1: <laughs> you don't know the most important rule of marriage, do you? Compromise. I know. No, that's not the most important rule of marriage. Happy wife, happy life. That's the most important rule.
2: Yeah, she's happy when she
1: gets there. All right. (laughs) Well, have a great time in New York. Tina's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Tina. Hi, Clark. So nice to speak to you. Well, great to have you here. What's going on, Tina? So,
3: um, So we are covered under a major insurance company, and they've recently sent us a letter asking for all of our Social Security numbers. And um, I'm a little concerned about that because about a year and a half ago, we, we received another letter saying there was a major breach
4: of sensitive information. So I'm not sure what to do.
1: So what you can do is this. That is part of the requirement under existing federal law that you prove that you are covered for health insurance. Okay, And you can, as an alternative to supplying your insurer with that Social Security number, which is a a scary thing to provide an insurer with that information, Mm -hmm. because the risks we're talking about, you can attach a special form number, and I forget the IRS form number, with your tax return next year, where you validate that you had coverage and who the coverage was with.
4: Okay, that sounds like a good alternative.
1: So the insurer is under a requirement to show that they tried to get you to provide your Social Security number. You are not required to give it. So my attitude is you should not give it to your health insurer and then just after the fact do the paperwork. But I would say there's pretty good odds that with however health care changes going forward, that the individual mandate is over. No matter how health care reform is done, that the mm-hmm. requirement that you must have health insurance is going to go away. And then oh, okay. the need for the Social Security number in that form I'm talking about won't exist anymore anyway.
3: Okay, that sounds good. So um, when there was the m- major... Hack and who are into millions of accounts. Should I be worried about that?
1: Well, anytime that there's an insurance company hack, they have such deep levels of information on you that a hacker may have gotten that it means mm-hmm. that it's kind of like a sleeping problem that at some point a criminal may take that information and try to assume your identity. And there Mm -hmm. is one strategy that you may have heard me mention before that's the best way to deal with that, and that's to do what's known as a credit freeze. Right. And so if you do a credit freeze, the fact that the criminals may have all that information from a hack of a health insurer will do you minimal harm in almost all cases. Paybacks are, well, you know what paybacks are, and a Russian hacker who has caused so much of a problem for americans with identity theft and credit card hacking and all that has just been sentenced to 27 years in prison the largest sentence ever handed down for identity theft or hacking either one and this is great great news because till now people engaged in hacking and in identity theft have felt like they were crimes that were so low risk that the threat of punishment was near zero. And I will completely botch this guy's name, Roman, I can certainly do this. Valerovich Seleznev. I need a Russian to call and make fun of me for my poor pronunciation. But this guy had sold millions of credit card numbers on the black market. And something I mentioned to you yesterday is hackers have become so proficient at stealing credit card numbers, including the three-digit code on the back of a Visa or MasterCard, the four-digit code on the front of American Express, that the value in the black market... For stolen credit card numbers has collapsed. Be on your guard, be aware, and especially with your debit card, because that's where the greatest risk happens to you with these hackers. Please monitor your account closely, download your financial institution's app if you're going to use a debit card. But the best defense of all is don't use and carry a debit card, there's way too much risk with those. If you're wondering how to get the funding needed to run a small
0: business today, Cabbage has the answer. Cabbage helps small business owners access simple and flexible funding right away without the headaches that come with applying for a traditional loan. You can apply online or from your phone by securely linking your business information to get an automatic decision. There's no waiting in line. There's no scanning documents or tracking down financial statements. Cabbage gives you the flexibility to decide what's best for your business. And once you're approved, you choose when to use your funds and how much you're going to take. You only pay for the funds that you actually use. Cabbage has supported over 100,000 small businesses with $2.9 billion in funding already. Visit cabbage.com slash save. There's no cost to apply or set up your line of credit. And just for listening to this podcast, when you qualify for funding, you'll get a $100 Visa gift card that you can use anywhere. That's Cabbage with a K. K-A-B-B-A-G-E dot com slash save.
1: Thanks for joining us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our website. ClarkDeals.com is where you go to save money. There's a service that I have... told you about that I think is the greatest. It's called unroll.me, U-N-R-O-L-L dot M-E. And Unroll Me, what it does, and you may have used it yourself, is it cleans up your email. Think how your email box over the years gets clogged up with so many emails that come over and over again from various websites, various retailers, who knows who. And Unroll.me makes it ultra easy for you to stop all that, clean up your email, and streamline your life. And they do it for free. Well, it's one of two stories that have broken in the last 24 hours involving uh, unethical practices by Uber. So, Uber was paying Unroll.me for information on who was using Lyft and then using that information to try to get people away from Lyft into Uber. It has been a major league embarrassment to Unroll.me apparently uber went beyond the bounds of what the information available to them was supposed to allow them to do and the head of unroll.me the ceo has put out a release that is shows as much pain as could be uses the word heart heartbreaking upset on and on and on and says that they're going to do better and they're going to be honest with you and they're going to make sure that they don't break your trust. He goes, at the end he says, I can't stress enough the importance of your privacy. We never ever release personal data about you. All data is completely anonymous. Blah, 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 blah. And this is a case where Uber being Uber, being hyper-aggressive, embarrassed what I think is a very good service available to you and me for free. Again, what Unroll.me does is they clean up clutter in your digital life. And I think it's wonderful. So I hate it that they're caught up in the ethical issues at Uber, because the story that has gotten even bigger play is Uber wrote software that allowed it to penetrate secret sections of iPhones that allowed them to spy on people who had signed up with Uber on an iPhone. They even wrote code, allegedly, that Apple would not know that Uber was spying on the phones. And I'd love to know how Apple found out. I assume an insider probably ratted them out. That Uber definitely has some ethical issues, and a lot of people have been deciding that the better answer is to use Lyft. I use both services, and I love what they've done to disrupt the marketplace but Uber basically has an immature child running the company he's an adult but he has the maturity of an elementary school kid and isn't cute like an elementary school kid Apple is reportedly so incredibly furious at Uber that the Uber CEO had to go to Apple headquarters to be yelled at by the CEO of Apple, Tim Cook. (laughs) That's funny. What it'd be like (laughs) to be called in and yelled at as being like called in the principal's office. Well, if he's got the mentality and maturity of an elementary school kid, then maybe that's where he belongs in the principal's office. Just want you to know that none of this changes what I've said in the past about unroll.me, but if it's something that has broken your trust with them and you don't want to use them anymore, that's fine. I still think what they do is a great thing helping to simplify your life. Mary is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Mary. Hi, how are you? Great, thank you, Mary. Um, Do
5: I just start telling you my story? Please. Okay, um, my husband has... Co-signed with my son, uh, my 28 year old son.
1: All right, I'm already 20, shallow breathing because the second somebody starts a story about a co-signing of a loan, it's not going to go well from there.
5: I know, but this is this is what we do for our two children.
1: <laughs> okay.
5: Um, so anyway, when he was 17, we, you know, my husband's a co-signer on his account. I am on the other one. <laughs> Okay. But anyway, we no longer have a relationship with my son Oh, at I'm all. so sorry. Thank you. It's a, it's a long story. Um, well, with this uh, account, our bank says that we are responsible for any late payments, charges, overcharges, or anything because my son stopped paying about last July or August.
1: So you originally okay. co-signed when he was 17. When he was 27 was when he stopped paying. Yes. And now it still haunts you, even though it's something that now we're 11 years later, you did when he wasn't even an adult yet. Right. I am afraid to have to be the one to tell you what the bank told you is true.
5: Uh, yeah, they just, what they're doing is just automatic. started to do was automatically start uh, withdrawing from our savings into his, and then we just got, whoa, what, what's going on? Well, he stopped paying. Well, we got late charges, and you're responsible.
1: So, uh, so I think it's I think it's absolutely horrendous when a bank has the uh, the language in their agreements that they don't even notify you, and they come right. and take money from you. Uh, particularly right. as a cosigner, you're owed the courtesy of at least a contact from them and say, "Here's what happened. Uh, your son didn't pay. You're legally liable for it," and as you may not be aware, we have the right to take the money from your account. And now, so th-
5: what happen- I, I'm sorry, what happens if they did they try to reach my son? He moved several times.
1: It makes no difference. Know. If you're if you co-sign for somebody and they don't live up to their part of it, it is as if your husband borrowed the money. Wow. And he is a hundred percent under the eyes of the law your husband's 100% liable for the debts run up by your now 28-year-old son.
5: That sucks.
1: (laughs) It does, it does. And that's why uh, when somebody asks me about co-signing, I'm so negative on people co-signing for loans because you end up with all the responsibility and none of the privilege. And there are times out of love we do a co-sign, but it unfortunately can end up being a significant pain for the individual who co-signed, both in the sense of betrayal and in the loss of money, and also, uh, unfortunately, your husband's credit report may be harmed as well.
5: Exactly. Exactly. Exactly, and well, now let me ask you this: You're, I see your point hundred percent. What happens if they're they're minors? We have to we had to co-sign for them in order to get this card. All right, but so
1: that is a wonderful I- question. And what what I have said in the past: if the idea is to help someone establish credit, that you don't right. give them the actual possession of the plastic.
5: Oh. Hmm.
1: But n- well, now, now what you should do? How much total money? did your son renege on, walk away from?
5: About 1500 So it's not an astronomical amount of money, but um, it's still not ours.
1: It's terrible, Andy broke broke your trust. It sounds like there have been other factors, too, that broke your trust. Yes, but, sir. But you can, your husband's credit is already harmed by this. You can try to reach a deal with the bank, offer a certain amount of money, as payment in full against the debt, and they may or may not agree to that. Right. But you are fully on the hook. I wish I could tell you something else.
5: No, 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 that's just fine. Now, I I have two more questions, and I won't keep you, but how do we get him to close this account other than just reaching out to him?
1: Well, you're the cosigner. You would draw your, uh, your husband goes in the bank and says he no longer is willing to be co-signer on this account and that he wants it closed. He
5: can't do that. What's that? They won't let him. They won't let him.
1: They're lying to him. <laughs> They're lying <laughs> to him. <laughs> Any anything that occurs prior to the day that he revokes his co-sign, he's liable for. But from the point at which he wants to revoke co-signing forward, he has that right because see a credit card is an open-ended obligation you have the right to charge at any time and all that the co-signing is not open ended at the point that he no longer wants to be part of that the bank must release him from that and if wow. the banker does not know the law your husband should go into a branch and tell him i am happy to explain how the law works to them okay and they you need to who? they need to release it and close the account and then any, or if they want to keep it open and make your son the only obligor on it, they can do that. But they're not going to do that because he's right. already welched on it and walked away.
5: Hmm. So how do we know the law? How do we
1: find you out? Don't, don't they- even worry about that. You go in and tell him that he is revoking his co-signing, and you need okay. to sign paperwork to do so. And okay. have you met with the branch manager at the bank? I would say no. I think it was just one of the the people at one of the fancy desks. Yes, sir. If they don't (laughs) behave, you want to meet with the branch manager, and you want in in writing that his co-signing is shut down. Okay. And And I want to hear from you if they don't behave. One other thing you should do, because the bank already has mistreated you this way, I want you to file a complaint at consumerfinance.gov dot gov against the bank and it will be it'll be pushed immediately to a higher level at the bank and they'll get really smart real quick about complying with the law yeah okay don't be a pushover
5: no no not at all i mean my this so that will if this if we get it canceled on our end of it um we should no longer see any more payments
1: come out of our savings and No, no, no. Until you paid off the full outstanding balance, you're responsible for it and you have to pay. But once the account is no longer an active account, it doesn't change the harm that's already happened, but it prevents additional harm from happening going forward. What a what an unfortunate situation. I'm really, really sorry that you're going through this. Sally is with us on the Clark Howard Show. You have a banking question that's a happier banking question.
3: I hope so, yes. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, On a recent show, you mentioned using the website bankrate.com to find a banking institution in which to park money at a higher interest rate than many local banks. Um, When I went online, there were oodles of banks with higher interest rates than I'm used to seeing but how do I know that the institutions are safe?
1: Are they all Bankrate will not insured? list a financial institution unless it is a full FDIC insured financial institution. So okay. all the ones on the list I'm looking right now 1.15%, 1. 1.11, 1.10 um I mean that's so much more than you get from a local bank 1.25. Look at that. Yes, you see that's When you look at the listing, one of the things that Bankrate shows you on the left-hand bar is member FDIC. Right, and
3: one of the ones that I looked up, which is the 1.251, I looked it up on the FDIC.gov website, and it is not listed, although it does say that it's a division of a different bank, which is listed as covered. So as long as it's a division of the bank that's FDIC-insured, we're okay
1: That is a great question, and I'm looking at, I see what you're talking about, there's three of them that look like they're Mm -hmm. divisions of FDIC-insured banks, and I'm going to verify that Bankrate has done its work right.
3: Okay. I'm I'm just going to, because
1: you know, I don't put this list together, Bankrate puts this list, I'm going to make sure that it is as it should be.
3: Okay. Okay. And will you update on a future show?
1: Yes, and uh, oh, so well, gosh, I don't even need to. Joel already went and looked, and the brand you see is FDIC insured. Okay. So I don't know why you didn't see that on the FDIC website.
3: When I put it in, it did not come up. When I put the name, okay, all right,
1: then I will. We'll just triple check. Okay.
3: Okay, and I'll double check too.
1: All right, sounds perfect. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at Clark.com. Producer Joel asks it for you. Clark, Mike wrote in. He says, I love your show. I often worry, though, about someone hacking into my savings account that I have with my bank. It makes me want to put my money in a security lockbox at that bank or just put it under my mattress. Do you have any advice for me? So my advice about the possibility of hacking is, is that you get paper statements that you not set up where you get your statements electronically. If the only way you can have a savings account at your bank is that you make a digital copy of your online statements, your money is insured, your money is safe in the bank, even if a hacker got to it, your money would be restored because you'd be able to prove that you had the money. Banks now, in the aftermath of September 11th terrorist attacks last decade, banks use multiple data centers for the possibility of war, and those multiple data centers also are of service to them in the event of a major hack. All right, Thomas wrote in, he says, Clark, would you recommend CarMax for buying a used car? CarMax is a great place to buy a used car because they take the hassle factor out of it. There's no negotiation, the price is the price, you have the right to return a car for a full refund for a certain number of days, it's five, seven, something like that, and CarMax has taken the pain points of buying a used car and eliminated them. Traditional car dealers, though, are very sore about CarMax and say that an equivalent car costs more at CarMax than it would cost from them. That's up to you in the marketplace to decide if that's true or not. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans proudly supports this podcast. When it comes
0: to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, it's important to work with someone you can trust, someone who's got your best interests in mind. And with Rocket Mortgage, you'll get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial info to get a mortgage approval in just minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure that you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. So whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. Skip the bank. Skip the waiting. Go completely online at quickenloans.com slash save. That's quickenloans.com slash S-A-V-E. Let Rocket Mortgage help you get the exact mortgage solution that you need. Go to quickenloans.com slash save. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number
6: 3030.
1: Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where you learn ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is the web address. You can follow me at facebook.com slash Clark Howard. In a half hour, self-driving cars... They're a lot closer than you think, in fact, already happening. Polling shows people overwhelmingly uncomfortable with the idea of being in a self-driving car. Well, I got a story to share with you in just a half hour. Right now, I want to talk about stock market, the index of tech stocks at an all-time record high, the NASDAQ, at 6 thousand to give you perspective the nasdaq has run around from being at 5000 in year 2000 5000 in 2000 17 years ago to being worth almost nothing a few years later to slowly climbing back up and took it 15 years from its previous high to get back to where it was so from 2000 to 2015 it took that long to get back round trip to where it was and then since 2015 it's gone up another thousand and stock markets around the world at record highs the Dow which is the 30 largest stocks record high pretty much across the investing world, things are in rarefied air. And what's always nerve-wracking for me is that people get excited about investing now and not like at a previous low point eight years ago, when people wouldn't go anywhere near owning stocks. The people who toughed it out, stomached the hard times, have roughly quadrupled their money in eight years. The people getting in now are getting in at a point that is, I mean, we could keep going up for a couple of years, you never know when things turn, but the reality is the value of stocks that make up these various indexes, or indices, whichever way you like to say it, they are very, very, to put it politely, fully valued. They're price for perfection. Life is not perfect. And that doesn't mean that I've stopped putting money in. Every 30 days, through a variety of things, I put money in the market. And I do it through thick and thin. So even though I recognize that values are, by historical measurements, really high, I'm not bailing. I'm not altering what I do, because my strategy is a long-term strategy. The money that I have invested, that I'm putting in, and that I'm adding to month after month, is money I have no need for, for many, many, many years to come. And... If that's your story, if your is my story, I was talking with one of our staffers who will remain nameless, but she's in her 40s, and she is nervous about having her money and stock type choices in the 401k. Money that she's not going to touch for another 20 years. So, the fact that the market may be in rarefied air is not relevant. On the other hand, if you're overwhelmingly in stock-type choices and it's money you're going to need in the next few months or years, that's too much risk. But the very concept of trying to time when to get in and when to get out, the odds that you call that one right are so low That you're better off going to the roulette wheel at a casino and let me tell you i know nothing about roulette because when i went to place that bet back in january i went to the wrong table and it was some other game i don't know what it was and they were laughing at me that i was at the wrong place so investing i know something about gambling i'm proud to admit i know nothing I don't like gambling. It's not my thing. But creating financial security, that is my thing. So I'd say have a plan. Be calm through ups and downs. Know why you're doing what you're doing. If you don't know why you're doing what you're doing, then you can't be calm when things turn. And don't take today's record highs is your signal that you should suddenly throw a big pile of cash into investments. Remember, the greatest money is made when other people are afraid, not when everybody's exuberant. Kevin is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Kevin. Hi, Clark. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, I have a question about some rental property. Okay. Uh,
4: I started renting my house in 2013 because I moved uh, to go to Ph.D. school, Um, but I have not been planning this as rental income. Honestly, I wasn't aware I needed to.
1: Right, and Kevin, I'm going to repeat some of what you said because your phone is a really, really cheap one like I would get, and so you were cutting in and out on me. Uh, You're getting a Ph.D. What's your Ph.D. going to be in?
4: Uh, Information systems.
1: Okay, so that came through loud and clear, and you have this property that you were living in that you've turned into a rental, and since 2013, you haven't declared the income from the rental property. That's right. And now you're nervous. I don't know why your phone just got so much better.
4: (laughs) Well, I walked outside of the building I was in.
1: Okay, very good. And so now you're worried that you're going to be eaten up by the IRS?
4: well, I'm worried if it's going to come back to bite me or um, I'm actually the reason that it was brought to my attention is I was thinking about buying a home where I'm at now, um, but because I haven't been claiming anything as rental income, the mortgage that I have shows as mortgage that I am am paying and that's not good for my credit to get another mortgage.
1: So let's look at the tax angle. Odds are... That if you treated this property as an investment property, you would be showing a loss on your taxes potentially, not a gain. Because right. you, you I, can, I agree. So, if anything, you wouldn't be in trouble with the IRS and you're in plenty of time to do a 1040X where you would report it as a rental property. But I need to understand how long are you planning? To rent this out versus some point you're going to say I just want to sell the thing.
4: Well, it's been with the same renters since 2013, and the understanding was that they would eventually buy it, and they still do intend to buy it, but they can't get a mortgage um, because they've been missing payments on a car payment, which uh, isn't great. But as long as they get a mortgage,
1: it's and by the way, yeah, you, went, you went back to Jupiter or Saturn or wherever you're placing <laughs> your cell phone call with, but I got most of what you said. So in your situation, likely you are going to want to do 1040x. You've already had uh, four tax years as a landlord, so you've lost really the ability to sell your house without potentially being subject to capital gains. And because of what's involved here, I know you're in grad school, but I'm going to ask you to spend a little bit of money, and I'd like you to go to a tax professional to consult about whether or not the best course of action is for you to do the 1040Xs and report this as a rental property with what's involved with that. And that will help you with the application you're doing for the mortgage. And the type of professional you should look for is you should look for an enrolled agent. That's a classification of someone who is uh, registered with the IRS to, do t- uh, to be a tax expert and do tax work, or a CPA who does tax. You know, you're not in any trouble here, and so it's just a matter of getting the paperwork right, and there'll be a double benefit to you Getting that paperwork right because of what you need for documentation for the mortgage company anyway, and best of luck to you with your PhD. Lindsay's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Lindsay. Hi. Clark. How are you? I'm good. How are you, thank you. Good, How Lindsay. You? Your phone is as bad as the last one, so maybe it's our system and not your phone. Let me see if I can hear you as you talk about your kids. Okay. What's going on with your kids?
7: Okay, so my 12-year-old daughter was getting
5: her place. replaced um, the third time.
1: I- All right, Lindsay, I'm so sorry. I'm going to have to put you on hold, and we're going to have to figure out what's going on with our phones. Yes, Kim?
7: Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on the phones, but we can definitely figure it out. Lindsay's story is very concerning. It's about her daughter going to or- the orthodontist and the orthodontist pulling two of her daughter's teeth without having talked to the parents first or talked to the kid. The kid went in there for um, to get her positioner worked on so when we come back from break maybe we can address this a little more and hopefully we'll get the phone situation worked out
1: wait 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 wait! it's crazy wait a minute the orthodontist uh, was it a clerical error or something that's crazy okay i can't wait to hear more about this from you lindsay if we can get our phones functioning properly Lindsay, we're going to try to see if we can hear you this time on The Clark Howard Show. How are you, Lindsay? Hey, I'm here. I'm good. Thank you. Oh, you're clear as could be, Lindsay. So um, I want to set background because you started to talk just a few minutes ago, and what you said is quite disturbing. Our producer, Kim, clarified it so everyone could hear it. You had taken your child to the orthodontist, and without consulting you, without even telling your child... The orthodontist yanked two teeth out of your child's mouth.
7: That's correct. Um, he also did not use any Novocaine or any numbing agent. How old to is your child?
1: Pain control as well. How old's your child? She's twelve. Oh my goodness. Oh, she's going to be traumatized about going back to an orthodontist or dentist.
7: Yeah, it, it was. It was very disturbing. Yes,
1: and. When you found out, what did you do?
7: Well, what happened was when she went to the back, I'd stayed up front to discuss insurance with the receptionist. A couple minutes later, I walked to the back, and I saw the orthodontist over her, and assuming that he was just placing the expander, um, walked over, I talked to the hygienist. She showed me the expander and said, it can there's a part missing. Um, we're going to have to reschedule you to come back. So sorry. I said, okay. I looked down. I saw Anna, you know, in the the table and I sit down and they proceeded to tell me that, you know, the doctor um, decided that she needed to get two teeth pulled as well. And I look over to her and I see her in pain, tears going down her face, her face very red. Um, Kind of took me a while to process kind of what was going on. Um, he sits her up, we're all done. I noticed he had had a tool when he was also using a tool in her mouth to extract this tooth. Um, she gets up, her face is red with tears, and still trying to process what's going on. He started to explain to me why he felt the need to pull her teeth and said, Okay, I understand. And then I said, did you use, and I kept on saying lidocaine, I wasn't thinking, I was just thinking numbing, I'm like, did you use any medication to help with the pain, because she's obviously in a good amount of pain right now, and he said, no, they were just baby teeth, and so...
1: All right, so he, your story is okay. very disturbing, because as a parent, yes. you were entrusting a professional to Correct. take care of your child, and... Yes. you were owed more than a courtesy to be asked and you may in that situation if the orthodontist explained it to you you may have authorized for the extraction of those teeth you should have been asked absolutely i should have had informed consent i'm what did the what did the orthodontist say when he realized you were not happy
7: well, he again. He started to explain. Well, the, the gums started to grow around the tooth. I needed to get it out because it could get infected. And I said, I understand. And then he, he thought he was doing a service to us by removing them. All right, what and, What do you
1: want now?
7: Well. What do I want now? I would like well, one. We've never had a formal apology. I want the contract to be terminated, a full refund, and then we were also considering, you know, I don't know, a pain and suffering or All right. emotional right So we distress. got two
1: two entirely different things on the table then. Correct. Because if what you want is you just want to be released from your contract with this orthodontist, you no longer have faith in this person, and you want to start over. What you do is you file a complaint with the American Board of Orthodontics, Orthodontics yeah. and then you also do one with your state dentistry board. And you put that in motion with both of them because this is a, a meaningful, serious complaint. On the yes. issue of the other thing, you are out of my territory because – If you start getting into pain and suffering and all that, and you might want money, that kind of thing, you're talking about a lawyer. You'd have to look on the web, find someone who's been involved in orthodontia cases or dental cases. There are people that specialize in that area of medical malpractice, and I don't know that this would rise to a level that anyone would particularly be interested in the case, but if you want to go talk to someone, that would be what you do, but these are... Two entirely separate things, and you go ahead and start the first anyway with the complaint to the American Board of Orthodontics, and we'll give you the web address for that in a second, and also with your state dental board. But the other, that's the whole lawyer thing.
0: The folks at Podcast One want to say thank you for listening to this show. We also would like to ask a small favor of you. It'll take you less than 10 minutes, and if you're one of the first people who does it, we'll even give you something for doing it. We want you to complete a short survey for us because we need the information you give us to help make things better every day. Just go to podcast1.study and everything will be right there for you. That's podcast1.study. The first 250 people that go and complete the survey will get a $25 gift card to restaurant.com. And there's a chance to win an additional $250 Visa gift card. All of our shows are supported by advertisers and filling out this survey will really help us out. So please go to podcast study And thank you. Stay tuned for 60 seconds of AP News headlines right after this podcast.
1: I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and your wallet and your future. I want you to learn ideas from me so that you can save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is where we got so much info to empower you. And when you have a question for me, clark.com slash ask. And I don't mention enough that we provide advice off the air for free, where you get to speak with a member of Team Clark, nine hours each weekday, except during holidays. And so you can see how to get free off-the-air advice If you scroll down the front screen on Clark.com, how to call in, what hours to call in, and all the rest, because it is my goal that you be empowered with knowledge to take more control of your life. Polling every poll that's come out, every survey, shows that Americans overwhelmingly despise something that I love. I adore the idea of autonomous vehicles vehicles that are going to deliver for us without a driver vehicles that will deliver us where we want to go without a driver but americans are absolutely diametrically not into it well it's happening not next year not the year after In fact, Waymo, which uh, used to be part of Google, it spun off from Google, Waymo is starting to offer free rides in the Phoenix metro area to families that are willing to ride in a self-driving automobile. They're using principally Chrysler Pacifica minivans, which are very comfortable, and so it'd be great to be toted around by a self-driving vehicle and that be the vehicle that totes you around and they are just early in what's going to become totally common Amazon is spending a fortune on trying to develop self-driving vehicles for delivery and this is not great This is not a maybe. This is happening. And the beauty of it is it's going to save so many lives. The tough part is the 20-year transition we're in the midst of, and again, people aren't even aware of that, 20 years it's going to take to turn over the vehicle fleet so that all vehicles are autonomous. And the tough time is going to be where you still have cars on the road, vehicles on the road, being driven by us, imperfect humans, that will be on the road with self-driving vehicles. Now, I have a car that is partially self-driving, has autopilot on it. I get on a freeway. It just drives. It adjusts for traffic around it. It is amazing. And I was with a friend from Denver who was giving a ride the other day and I took him on the freeway to experience the autopilot and he became, to say the least, quite animated in the vehicle and he's like, you're not holding the steering wheel! And I already told him I wouldn't be driving the car and he went in five minutes, five minutes, from being in terror that the car was driving us to like, this is the greatest thing ever. Alan was just beside himself that the car was doing the driving. And so it is a direct part of our future, but for many cars, you're going to see it in phases. The cars now that have what, for people who have it, you get used to it the first day you have it, the adaptive cruise control that automatically adjusts the speed of your car based on the traffic in front of you and always keeps a safe distance from the car in front of you. If traffic suddenly comes to a stop in front of you, before you can even realize, before your brain can even act on it, the car is stopping keeping you out of harm's way, running into the vehicle in front of you. The vehicles that now keep themselves in the lane. Just examples of things that occur. And I heard the saddest story the other day about a guy who was backing up in an SUV. And, you know, SUVs sometimes can be hard to see out of the back. And ran over and killed a child backing up and as a parent you just I mean you think about that and how horrific that is and the cars that are coming out now have these cross traffic front and back things that would alert you and depending on the vehicle maybe even stop the vehicle and so the other day I did an experiment that somebody asked me to do, didn't believe me that my car could be automatically summoned with with the app on the phone, and I showed it, and then he said, well, what if I go stand in the path of it backing up? What will it do? And I said, I guess it'll stop. So <laughs> said, if you're crazy enough to try it, we'll try it, and sure enough, it automatically stopped when it got to three feet from him standing in the car's path. So the technology is changing and changing fast, and definitely for the better. I know for a lot of people new technology is unsettling, and there will be hiccups with all this new technology, but the net effect is going to be a lot of the tragedy on the roads will not happen anymore. Speaking of being on the road, Mark, you're taking a road trip with the most precious of family members. Who are those?
8: That's right. That's my wife's small dogs.
1: And don't Uh, come in between you and your wife's small dog. You know better than that, right?
8: That's correct. That's correct. That's why I called them my wife's small (laughs) dog. I love them... I love them, too, but not nearly as much as my wife does.
1: Understood.
8: Um, so I want to thank you, first of for taking my call. And, and as you said, my wife and I uh, would actually like to take a trip, a car trip, uh, across the United States and probably southern Canada. And I was just looking for, uh, is there an easy way we can get, find some pet-friendly hotels that we can find while we're on the road?
1: There are multiple sources now where you can find pet-friendly hotels and so it's become so much easier than it was even just a few years ago and i'll hit you with some of them you may have seen one or more of these pets welcome.com okay uh, bring fido.com fido.com and of the major booking sites travel booking sites Expedia does the most thorough of any I've seen in helping you sort out and filter just hotels that are pet-friendly. Great. Now, let me tell you something that's not so pet-friendly. A lot of hotels that will allow you to bring a pet charge extremely high pet deposits. And the pet deposits can be actually higher than what your room rate is but as long as the pet doesn't cause a problem in the room you get that deposit back when you check out but i've stayed in enough hotels i can tell you a lot of times the carpet will be stained carpet will be torn bedspread will be um you know worn out or whatever when you get to a hotel room take pictures thoroughly of anything it's not perfect so that if later they try to claim that your wife's little dogs did whatever it is that's wrong with the hotel room or worn out you can say uh-uh okay here's the pictures when we checked in
8: okay that'd be helpful
1: so you're going to be on your wife's best side now that you figured all this out aren't you
8: that that's right um she said uh, that we can only go on the trips if she can bring along a dog. So that's a rate-limiting factor here. So
1: so you're going to uh, be fine. That. There are going to be places all over that will accept her little dogs. And one other thing, if you target in on a hotel, and it's pet-friendly and all that, you know, you can take your pet, go to TripAdvisor, and there will be a thing when a hotel's pet-friendly, there will be a button where you can read what what reviews people have said about the experience of having a pet at that particular hotel. Because it's not enough that they say your pet can come. It's also, are they really, truly pet-friendly? Yes. And that's why I like TripAdvisor for that information so very much. But Mark, you've lost the ability to get hotel rooms the extra cheap Clark way, because there's no way when you do the blind bed sites, you can know if you can bring your pet. So not going to save as much money as I do. Josh is with us on the Clark Howard show. Hi, Josh.
9: Hey, Clark, how are you?
1: Great. Thank you. You have a baby and we're not talking about somebody's favorite pet here. We're talking about a real human child. How old's your child?
9: Uh, she is six months tomorrow.
1: Well, happy half year birthday to her. Oh, thank you. What's her name? Um, Lena. All right. Are we going to talk about Lena here?
9: Yeah. Yeah. Actually, um, I was interested. I have actually recently, you know, started to focus on retirement and retirement accounts. Um, and I actually wanted to take advantage of you know her age and the law of compound interest and see if I could open a retirement account for her. And then, as she grows older, teach her how to um, actually put into that retirement account.
1: You cannot. Um, I
9: didn't. I cannot. Okay. You cannot so uh,
1: unless unless she uh, is doing a job modeling for some company, and she has earned income. Until a child has earned income, they cannot have a retirement account. But you could open an investment account. And if you put money in an index fund, the tax treatment of index funds is so favorable that you'd be able, over many decades, for her to accumulate a lot of money that would face extremely minimal tax each year. And then at the point that she would want to draw on the money, which would not have to be at retirement age, she would be able to do so and pay what at least by Today's tax code is very favorable capital gains tax rates.
9: Okay. So um,
1: that would be a way to do it. Now, does Lena seem to be brilliant, though?
9: Uh, yeah, she's a pretty astute kid. I mean, she's doing everything pretty early.
1: So, if, and in your family, what are the odds that Lena goes to college?
9: Uh, given her mom, but it's, it's pretty high, yeah.
1: So an alternative that would get you some tax-free money for her would be if you did what's known as a 529 plan, which you could save money for college tax-free. If it's spent on college, it's spent tax-free. If it's not used for college, then the money can continue to accumulate tax-deferred, and way down the road, it would be taxed based on Uh, her tax bracket potentially and a 10 percent penalty so it's not nearly as favorable a tax environment if she didn't go to college but much more favorable if she did than doing an investment account so i would think about it josh and so would you put the odds at 90 percent she's going to go to college
9: yeah pretty much
1: if it's that high and you were putting money aside for her at six months, I'd look at my 529 plan guide at clark.com, put money in there, and let it grow tax free. Jason joins us. Hello, Jason. Welcome to the Clark Howard Show. How are things going? Hey, very good, Clark. Thank you. So, you have a question for me about saving money on your utility bills every month. Is that right?
6: Yeah. Well, I just had done a home energy audit, and one of the guys yeah, looked at everything, and, uh, you know, I just had a question on what, where the best spot to go was on that. And, uh, they, you know, they gave me a price as well. I'm just curious. I wanted to sanity check myself, make sure I'm not out in left field here.
1: So what was their number one recommendation that you do to your home?
6: So their number one recommendation was to put in a radiant barrier system up in the attic to keep it cooler. Uh, but they are also looking at patching up all the, the plenum pipes and putting up chimney balloons and uh, a tent for the stairs, a bit of the attic and what have you, all that.
1: Okay, so uh, doing the modern insulation in the attic, absolutely. That by itself, that plus the tent over the pull down stairs, that potentially could reduce your consumption for heating and cooling by up to 30%. Okay. Wow. Is that kind of the number they gave you?
6: Yeah, they were saying uh, they pretty much guaranteed twenty five percent, but they've seen upwards of forty to forty five percent. I've not seen in.
1: that much, but I'd say twenty five as a minimum. Yes. Okay. So you you named a couple other things. Take me in order. What was like the next thing they said?
6: Then I think it was a chimney balloons. I'm
1: Attic- not familiar and- with that product.
6: I guess it's a, it goes up in the flue and just creates a, a gap so the air can't come in and out.
1: Hmm. They,
6: I'm going to check on
1: that myself.
6: Yeah, they, they said they had a hard number of each chimney. They, it's about $350 a year, they say, in just place of energy.
1: I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, now you've taught me something I'm going to look at.
6: <laughs> well, like I said, they, they threw a lot of stuff out there, so I wasn't sure how much was just their salesmanship.
1: What the else house, did they suggest?
6: They were going to put on... For all the outlet coverings, insulate all of those, saying that basically they add up to a full door size. Yeah, that's
1: really Uh, cheap to do and is very helpful.
6: Okay. Well, and then, you know, they threw out a price based on if it was a 25% payback, it'd be about a three-year ROI on that. So, I mean, it sounds like they're pretty accurate based on what you're saying, though.
1: And I think that's very possible. There's a nice briefing at energystar.gov you can read about what gives you the greatest bang for the buck and the things that they're talking about other than the one i'm clueless about the chimney balloon they all make perfect sense is something that will have a great payback and save you real money year after year moving forward you get them done and all they do is save you money
0: Thanks for listening to the Clark Howard Podcast. Download new episodes every Monday through Friday at podcast1.com. That's podcastone.com.
1: I'm John Horn. I'm the host of Geffen Playhouse Unscripted. I'm here with our very first guest, Rain Wilson. Hi, John. It looks like I'm the first guest on the Geffen Unclothed. Unscripted. Unscripted, yeah. Let's go with that. A uh, marriage made in heaven, I guess. Or Westwood. Tune in for some of our exciting upcoming guests. David Copperfield, Neil Labute, Neil Patrick Harris, Josh Gad, Rita Wilson, and many more. Be sure to download new episodes every Wednesday on the Podcast One app and on iTunes. And don't forget to rate, review, and share. And, and I'm Rain rock. Wilson, the first guest. You were no, the it's, very it's, first guest. This was a huge uh, mistake. in Playhouse Unscripted. Huge mistake.
3: What we're learning about the Manchester bomber... I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. The father of the alleged Manchester suicide bomber says his son didn't do it. We don't believe in killing innocents, he told the AP. But the father reportedly was a member of an al-Qaeda-backed group in Libya years ago. That, according to a former Libyan security official. Meanwhile, police have carried out raids on a block of apartments in Manchester. Witnesses say they heard explosions. Alan Kinsey was a neighbor of the alleged bomber.
0: The actual family that had been there, I'd, I'd never really come across them in bad ways. It was always, even when I said hello, they never seemed to speak back to you. It was just like kept themselves to themselves, and that was about it.
3: The British putting more military troops on the streets now, as police say it's clear this is a network they're investigating. President Trump has arrived in Brussels for NATO meetings after a visit this morning with the Pope at the Vatican. I'm Rita Foley.